thought it would be helpful for us to do a little two-part message on just kind of some things that we're following up with from camp. So we ended camp, we went through Revelation, and we're seeing what's going on, what's to come, seeing the Jesus return and the wrath of God being poured out on mankind, and it's scary and it's overwhelming, and we see our need for the gospel. We hear these warnings that Jesus gives the church, and we're in the church age, and these warnings are for us, and we need to listen, and we we want to listen, and I know some of you are, and some of you have embraced the gospel, and kind of ended camp with that. What does a Christian do? He follows Jesus. What does a Christian do? He wants to, to be with Christ. We spent like five minutes and just looked at the, that, that guy who was they called the demoniac. He's overwhelmed by evil spirits, and Jesus sets him free, and he does what every person who wants to follow Christ does. He just wants to be with Jesus. So giving you this little direction about what Christians do. They want to obey Christ. They want to follow Christ. And so I thought what would be cool is just for us to do a little two-week series on, on two things that Jesus tells Christians to do. and Called ordinances. These are baptism and communion, two things that our church does. These are things that Christians should do. And I wasn't here last week, so tonight I'm going to try to do both clocks against me, so we'll probably just get to baptism tonight, but I I thought it'd be helpful for us to talk about. When you become a Christian, you want to put this into practice. You want to do what Jesus calls you to do. And again, there are two things that he tells us to start doing immediately, and they are baptism and communion. Even though they're commanded by Jesus, both baptism and communion, but baptism especially, there's a lot of confusion about what baptism is, a lot of different stuff happening when it comes to baptism. Some people get sprayed. It's weird. Some people get water smeared on them. Some people get water like poured on them, sprinkled, all this different kind of stuff. Here at Grace Church, we we dunk you all the way. YouTube has an impressive collection of baptism fails. You know me, I get curious about, and you can go to this next one, Joe. I get curious just about how, I don't know, how other people are doing baptism. And, you know, I'm I'm looking at it and I found a lot of videos. And this particular video, it happens so fast that I wanted to just, I want to just break it down frame by frame because it's so good. There's so many things happening uh, some of my favorite stuff with baptism is when, like, everybody gets baptized who's in the tank. And you can see where this one's going. Uh, this guy, he's just anticipating needing some help. So, you know, he's there. He's in the tank. The guy's big. He's got an assistant, red shirt assistant guy. And the black stripe in the back isn't actually, like, paint. That's, like, another assistant this dude brought in four people. You can't even see the fourth guy just to get this guy dunked. And he's already, if you just know anything about baptism, he's already at a bad angle. Like he's got to be up on this guy. Go to the next frame. So everything looks kind of good so far. But I just want to point out the guy in the red shirt. If you look at the armpit area... <laughs> You guys, 
he's been nervous about this baptism for a few minutes. Like he's been thinking about, I know we can get him under the water. Can we get him up out of the water? He is sweating. (laughs) He is real sweaty, but the pastor looks good. He looks in control. He's getting him into the water. And then the next frame, the dude springs up out of the water like a fish. Like just, I did it. And he's up and he doesn't need any help. And it looks like, praise Jesus, this is a baptism. Everything's great. Everything worked out awesome. But you see kind of in the background, the pastor is starting to disappear a little bit. Next frame. He's back in the water. The pastor's in the water. The assistants are nowhere to be found, of course. They're not there. They're not helping. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. Next frame. Now, now the guy in the back, it looks like, and this is crazy, it looks like he's, he's like, oh, we got to get this guy up out of the water. I'm going to rescue this guy. But in reality, next frame... He's saving the pastor. Like he's. And the guy just knows it. He knows. Yeah. I I got baptized twice. So. All right. Oh, there. I think there's one more. Is there one more? Yeah. The guy's pumped. He's just like, we did it. We did it. We did it. (laughs) Tonight, let's. A lot of fails. You can look at those if you're ever just sad and you need to be, you need to laugh. YouTube baptism fails. Tonight, let's talk about baptism. Baptism, it's supposed to be a, a picture of, I'm going to say it this way. It's a, it's a picture, a sign, a symbol. Okay. As a sign, it's like a street sign. It's pointing to something else. It's about the speed limit or the name of the street. That's what baptism is. It's a sign or a symbol. You know the red target is target. Like you see that thing, you're like, oh, it's, and if you're fancy, you say Target or whatever. Like you know what it is. The Nike swoosh, you know what a symbol is. It, it's pointing to something else. That's what baptism is. It's a sign and it's, it's a symbol. And they identify something. They represent something Uh, Neither baptism nor communion, but just talk about baptism tonight. It's not primarily about you. Yes, you're involved. Yes, you're in this little tank, this thing of water, but it's not totally about you. Baptism points us to, to Jesus. It's a sign. It's a symbol. It's a picture of Jesus. To better understand this picture, I just want to answer some questions. And we'll start with this. What is baptism? Okay, what is baptism? If you guys were here just last Sunday night, you saw one of our pastors, Mark Z, baptize a couple people from Foundation. He's there in his like beautiful white robe thing. Those things are so weird, but whatever. He's out in the water. The person comes out. They read their testimony. Pastor puts them under the water, brings them back up. Everybody claps. Okay, that's what baptism is. That's what happens. But what's the point? What, what is it? Uh, our pastor says this, and just a great way to think about it. Baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Okay, it's a physical picture 
of the death and burial and new birth that happens to somebody who's already saved, somebody who's put their faith in Christ. Baptism is an object lesson. I'm going to talk about a lot of different ways. You get to see physically something that's happened spiritually to this person. A picture of something that's happened to them spiritually. That's the meaning of baptism. You could say it's an outward sign of an inward change that's already taken place. They've been saved. This spiritual life has been given to this person on the inside. In baptism, it's a physical picture that you get to see of this new spiritual reality. When you get baptized, you're declaring to the church that's watching, to the world that's listening, that there's been a change in your life. Something's happened to you. Something on the inside has changed. Take that Bible and open to Romans chapter 6. And you can see a couple verses here that will help us. But Romans 6 verse 3 Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who's died has been set free from sin. It can be a little bit confusing as we look at this, these couple of verses here from Paul to think about us being united, connected to Christ in his death and burial and resurrection, but that's what happens when you get saved. Paul helps us understand this exact relationship right right here. Baptism, the way Paul's using it, it doesn't mean water baptism. Baptism means what it always means, which is immersion. It means you're just fully immersed into Christ. We We're dying with him, we're buried with him, we rise with him, we're immersed into the life of Christ. And it's a water baptism that symbolizes that new reality really well. That's why Jesus wanted us to do that. Water baptism is a a perfect picture of what Christ has done for us. Again, baptism, it's a sign, it's a symbol, it's pointing to something else. And it's pointing to this this reality that Jesus has accomplished in your life. So it's a picture of the the good news of of what Christ has done for you. It's a portrait of the change that's already taken place in your heart. So just as Jesus died and was buried and rose physically so that you could have spiritual life in him, we, we go through that object lesson to show this new reality. Verse 6, Paul says, our old self has died. We've, we've died to our sin. We've died to that old, just kind of old you. 
the old you that, that loved you and lived for you and didn't really care about anything else, that old you who just wanted to promote you and be happy with the things that you were happy with, that old you that just wanted to, to please yourself. Ephesians 2 talks about that old you. Great chapter, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, that great place where we understand that without Christ, although you are alive physically, you're breathing, you're moving around, but without Christ, you're dead spiritually. So there's this problem. You're enslaved to sin. In Ephesians 2, Paul helps us understand what this dead person's like. You are enslaved to it. You're just kind of walking around. I hope that you get that without Christ you may feel like you're choosing sin, but you really aren't. You don't have any other option. You're, you're going to always choose sin. You're going to always choose what's, what God says not to do. Paul talks about it that way. You're, you're forced to follow the darkness of the world, and there's no escape from it because you're dead in it. So the world and the devil and the flesh, those are all the things that the old self was living for, chasing after. That's what you were enslaved to. And here in Romans, Paul says that as a believer, and it's awesome, you've, you've died to all that. You've been buried to that stuff. You've been raised to live this new life in Christ. We talk about that all the time, that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You have life now in him. Verse 4 says, you're buried in order that you might walk in newness of life, in order that you might live in this new way. And and what's this way? It's, It's living the way God calls you to live, honoring God instead of that old you. Living for the Lord instead of you, just living the way Christ lived and the way he calls you to live. You're hating sin. You're trying to love what God loves. You're trying to hate what God hates. You're trying to understand his word and you're trying to be a doer of it. So when a person is baptized, they can say all of that. They can can say Jesus died and he was buried and he rose physically and he did that to pay for my sins so that I could have life spiritually. Tracking with that? Does that make sense? He paid my debt. Jesus satisfied God's wrath for me that we saw in Revelation, that horrible wrath to come. He paid that for me so that I could have this spiritual life. So going into the water, it's that picture of death and burial and and coming up out of the water is that picture of the new life that I have in Christ. I'm alive. I'm a new creation. So that's what baptism is. How do we do it? Okay, we don't sprinkle. Uh, we don't use a super soaker and just, you know, hold still. In the name of the Father, Son, shh, let it rip. We don't do that. We, we dunk you all the way. We do it that way because that's what that word baptize means. It means immerse. Put you all the way in the water. Acts chapter 8, verse 36, and kind of following there, there's a picture of baptism. Ethiopian eunuch just gets saved, sees water, he wants to be baptized. It says there that he went down into the water and he came up out of the water. It's really difficult to think that 
you know, he was sprinkled there, whatever, smeared with water. No, he went into the water. But a better reason for dunking is also that's the only way to picture that death and burial and then resurrection that, that Christ went through. It's a perfect way to picture the, the reality of what's, what, what's happening. It's hard to do that when, you know, somebody pours water on you. So that's why if you want to get baptized and we do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dunk you. Um, I'm going to put you all the way under the water because that's the picture that we want other people to see and understand. You come out of that water, you have, you know, new life in Christ. I mean, I might... I might hold some of you under the water a bit longer, depending on how much trouble you've caused, but I'm going to bring you up out of the water because we got to show the church and the world this full picture. Okay, so that's why we, we do it that way, we, we full immersion. So that's how we do it. Why get baptized? Let's get a little more serious here. Why get baptized? Well, again, it's a symbol to show that there's, there's been a change on the inside. You get to show that you're following Christ, that you're a Christian. It points to Christ and your union with him, but why do it? Matthew chapter 28 is really helpful. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, right at the end there, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So here we have a great reason to baptize and also a great reason to be baptized because Jesus tells us to. He commands it. Some of the last words of uh, of Christ before he ascends back to heaven. And we get this great little picture of what the church is all about. And you've heard me talk about this before, these, these last words. Disciples, the disciples of Christ, just like the church now, they're purposed and tasked to go and make more disciples. Go and make disciples. And then I want you to baptize those disciples that are made, or you could use the word mark them. So we're making disciples and we're marking disciples and then we mature disciples. Teach them everything I've taught you. That's Jesus' sort of plan for the growth of the church. Make, mark, and mature. And some of you have been made disciples and it's time for you to be marked as disciples. And we see that put right into practice as you go from the Gospels to Acts chapter 2, the apostles they are doing what Jesus told them to do. And, and Peter is, is preaching that. And the, the crowds in Jerusalem are responding. Acts chapter 2, just listen, verse 37. When they heard this, he's preaching the gospel. When the crowds heard it, they're cut to the heart. And they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, you need to repent. You need to be made a disciple and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to be made and then be marked. You do it right away. And verse 41 of Acts 2 says, Those who received his word were, were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So they received Peter's call to repent. They understood the gospel. It cut them. They were under conviction of their own sin. 
And they're like, what do we do? You know, so they, they, they repent and they put their trust in Christ and then right away they are marked as disciples. And they do that so they could mature as disciples. They could enjoy fellowship and we see that throughout Acts. They're together, they're a church, they're sitting under the teaching of the word, they're taking communion together, they're doing all this church stuff. They're, they're maturing. They're learning and growing and doing the things that they're supposed to do. So, When you stand in the waters of baptism, you stand declaring this new relationship that you have with with God. You you stand declaring that you're you're a a part of his family. That's what you're doing. And that's why Jesus told his disciples to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're identifying now with God in a way that you weren't able to before. You're identifying with his, his family. You now have a relationship that didn't exist. And it's with the Father, and it's with the Son, and it's with the Holy Spirit. As a pastor, I get to do weddings, and weddings are awesome and super fun. And one of the cool parts for me at the end, I get to say I have this great privilege to announce Mr. and Mrs., you know, whoever. And... It's a joy, but we're doing that for a reason. That new name change signifies a new relationship. There's something here now that wasn't here just a second ago. And that's the same thing in baptism. We're announcing this new relationship that wasn't here. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this person is now a part of the family of God. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We're drawing attention to that new spiritual reality and that change in relationship. But, but get this, that change that already took place. It's not happening in baptism. It happened when that person got saved. We'll talk about that maybe more in just a second. But when you get baptized, you get to testify to the church and the world that's watching, your family, your friends, of this new relationship that's, that's here. So... That's, that's who, okay? That's who should get, or, you know, yeah, who should get baptized is next. Number four, who should be baptized? Who's it for? Who's baptism for? I think there's some confusion here, too. Is it for, you know, you have to be over 18 or everyone, you know, how does this work? Baptism, it's so simple, is for those who are saved. It's for Christians. It's for those who have been made disciples, If that's you, you now need to be marked as a disciple. So if you've repented of your sin, you've put your trust in Christ for salvation, you are saved and you are a Christian and you've been made a disciple. And now it's time to be marked as one. That's why at Grace we call it not just baptism, but believer's baptism. It's a believer's baptism. Baptism doesn't change anything. It doesn't save you. You're already a believer. I think that's so important to understand. Pastors try really hard to communicate that almost every Sunday night. This isn't some magical thing that's happening. This person's already saved. This is just a way for them to to show what's already taken place. 
It doesn't give you that new relationship with God. It doesn't put your name in the book of life that we looked at in Revelation. All that's already taken place. You're saved by by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So that's why we call it a, a believer's baptism. That's why we don't baptize babies here. Not only because it would be weird and scary to dunk a baby in water, but because we believe that it's for for those who are already saved, those who are, are, are Christians. Um, some denominations believe that that baptism is for Christians and their children. But, but we know that's, like, that's not how salvation works, right? You're not saved by your last name or who your parents are. You're not saved by where you live or what kind of status you have or where you grow up. That's not what does it. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We know that. That's why baptism has to be for believers. So we baptize those who are truly saved. Again, this physical picture of the death and burial of that new life that's going on. Inside, So it's not about you. Baptism points to Jesus. You don't need to be nervous. You don't need to be scared to get baptized. A couple of thoughts on that. Uh, our, our pastor has talked about this on many occasions, and he gives some really helpful reasons for why people maybe aren't baptized or don't want to get baptized. I think it's helpful to think about those. Uh, Number one, you're ignorant. You just don't know, and you're not really sure that you're supposed to. You're not well taught, and hopefully even tonight we're trying to correct some of that. Number two, you're not getting baptized because you're too proud. And by that, I just mean, you know, you probably not anyone in this group, but you've been a Christian for so long, and you you haven't, you've put it off, and now it'd be weird for you to say, oh, I've, I've haven't really been obedient. And one of the very first things that the Lord says to be obedient in, there's no reason to, to feel that way. There's no reason to, as you kind of come to that knowledge of, oh, I, I need to do this. You should want to do that. And number three, maybe you're just indifferent, you know, that you, you understand it. You're not really against it, but you just, I don't know, it's not really that important. You can just kind of put it off. I'll do it maybe later, high school or college or I don't know. Number four, you're defiant. You just you, you refuse. Usually that's connected with the fact that if you did, you kind of know it'd be hypocritical. You know, you're not, not really interested in, in doing it. Maybe harboring sin in your life. Maybe some reason why you don't want to testify of, of being a Christian. Or number five, the last possibility is, is that you're not saved. You actually don't have this new life in Christ. You're not a Christian at all. So there's, there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit to obey and to do this. Um, I think when, about this group, it's probably the first or the last. It's, it's probably the first one or the last one. Just that you didn't know. You're not really sure what it's about. You're kind of wrestling through it, kind of learning about it, thinking about it. Or you have no thoughts of it because you're, you're not... You know, you're not saved. So how do you know if you should? If you're saved, if you're trying to figure this out, how do you know if you should? It's really not that tricky. If you're saved, you should get baptized. If 
you've been truly forgiven of your sins, you should get baptized. If you've been made a Christian, you should be marked as one. You should want to do that. If you believe that Christ died in your place and that baptism would be a true picture of the spiritual reality in your life, you should get baptized. If you're not sure, then you need to figure out why you're not sure. I would, I would just say it that way. Let me encourage you with that. If you're not sure, figure out why you're not sure. It's okay to wait. It's okay to ask some questions and talk about that with your parents or your small group leaders or, or me for sure. I'd love to talk to you about that, why, why we're waiting or maybe why we're not really quite sure. That's, that's a good question to ask, but, but if you are sure that you should, then you should. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Let's... Let's get you baptized. It's something you should do. If you're reluctant to be baptized, I think you should, you should wonder why. If you're under that conviction to do it and, and you're just kind of putting it off, I think you, you should wonder why. A lot of passages to think about, but, but 1 John chapter 2, uh, there in 1 John, it says, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. We know that we're, we're saved if we want to do what Jesus tells us to do. And, and listen, junior hires, this is one of the first things that Jesus says you should do. If you're a Christian, I want you to be marked as one. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's really simple. We actually have an opportunity for baptisms in just a few weeks. A couple of junior hires are already getting baptized. And so there's... I mean, it's not like a, we're not selling used cars here or anything, but if that's something that you want to talk about, we, we actually have a you know, time coming up where we could, we could do that. I could, I could walk you through that and help you understand what to do. And if that is you, I would encourage you to do one thing, even tonight, and that would just be to start talking to your parents about it. You know, you can let them know we talked about baptism tonight, and you can ask them your questions and and then step two would just be to talk to me as, as soon as possible and kind of walk you, walk you through the rest. But baptism, just this simple command to identify with your Savior publicly. It's, it's really all it is. That just, I want my friends and my family and my church to know that I, I'm a Christian. It's the first way that we can begin to obey to, to obey Christ. You get a chance to demonstrate your faith and, and you have the joy of obeying. Just the blessing that comes with, with doing what, what the Lord tells us to do. And baptism, it needs to happen in the church because you get to let other believers know of the change that's happened in your life. And by the way, it's the same change that's happened in their life. And Jesus wants you to do that so that these other believers who maybe are a little bit older than you and have a little more spiritual life than you can say, hey, he's in our family. He's been made. Now he just got marked so that we could know. And guess what they're going to do as the church? They're going to come around you and help you mature and grow. That's why you do it in the church. Getting baptized, you know, out in the middle of nowhere somewhere, nobody knows. Church doesn't know. These other believers don't know. That's why Jesus wanted it to happen in the context of a church so that they could say, cool, welcome to the family. 
let me help you understand what it is to be a Christian. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of, of the church. So we identify with God, and then we identify with God's people. That's why here at Grace, baptism and membership, it's like the same thing. It's, it's just the same process. Because you would identify with the Lord and with his people. So we, we do it kind of one one thing here. So we got to stop. Um, we definitely aren't into communion tonight. You can relax. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try that maybe in a couple weeks. But, but here it is, baptism, this great opportunity for you to, to begin to obey Christ, for you to, to follow him. And know that there's going to be questions about that, and I welcome them, okay? You can talk to your small group leader, but you can talk to me. I'm going to stay right here. So if you have questions about baptism, don't be scared. You don't need to, you don't need to be nervous about it. I want to answer all your questions about it because one of my greatest joys is to help you obey and follow Christ. Okay? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your instruction to us, uh, how good it is. Lord, just for us to understand why you want us to do these things. Lord, to, to tell our church and to tell other believers around us, God, what you've done in our lives. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. That's why every Sunday night here, Lord, so many of your people are just, they're so happy and we applaud and we celebrate just your grace at work in the lives of people. Lord, baptism, just so helpful to unite us with other believers in our church and to be at a church that helps us grow and mature. Lord, for those who've been made disciples, I just pray give them that boldness to, to be marked as one. Lord, help our church come alongside these young people and help them grow. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.